0: Welcome to the Akra Community Church Podcast. We know that God is interested in everything you are and everything you do. In this financial literacy series, 90 and 10, we look beyond the tithe and the offering and focus 100% on the financial blessings God showers on His children. How do you make money? How do you manage it? How do you grow it? What are the best ways to invest? What can you do now to secure your financial future? Well, for answers to these questions and more, listen.
1: Good evening, everyone. Uh, It's a pleasure to be here, and uh, it's a privilege to have been asked to come and share with you uh, some of the things that I have been through in my entrepreneurial journey. Uh, It's been a little over 30 years, so I believe that even if I have not been successful, I should be able to tell you uh, w- what to stay away from uh, on, your, on your journey. Um, on Wednesday, I was invited to speak at Hermann Minor International College on their career day to talk about jobs for the future. And I remember when I got there, that the young lady who came to meet me, who was probably about 15, uh, from Tanzania, uh, asked me, so what do you do? And I said, I'm an entrepreneur. And then she said, oh, I know who you are. I know who an entrepreneur is. And I asked, who, who is an entrepreneur? She said, ah, they know how to make money. <laughs> and uh, I laughed because um, really, truly, uh, 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 a lot of people think entrepreneurs make a lot of money. But uh, entrepreneurs also know some entrepreneurs also know how to lose a lot of money. And over the years, I have learned that uh, sometimes, um, uh, some of the things that keep us away from issues are actually biblical values. And so tonight, I'm going to be sharing with you a few of the gems. I know Nanako, if you want to something else, because the first thing he said to me when uh, he invited me was, uh, I heard you. I heard an interview with, uh, you know, sorry, I, I read something about you in uh, Ali Kem Kueni. He has a book on entrepreneurship, and uh, what you said was that um, uh, it was by God's grace. You know, we don't want God's grace. We want to know exactly what happened. So tonight, I'll do my very best to tell you what happened. Um, what I've, The things that I've listed are broad discussions. Uh, we're not going to go into very uh Uh, uh, minute details on how to run a business. I don't think this is the place for it. Uh, This would allow us to also cover a lot more. And so I'll be talking about broad themes, but I think that uh, the things that I'll be sharing are critical. Very, very critical to the success of any business. And you also find that uh, the things that I share uh, would be the small things, which has always been my view on anything at all that it's always the small things that make the difference that make the difference between better and best the first is um the starting of anything at all i've realized that and it still happens even to me to this date that most times we all want when we are tired of perhaps working for someone else or in a or in a company we all want to go into business for ourselves but then the biggest question we're faced with is what can I do? I'm just not sure what to do. I'm sure this is a, a, a pretty common question among all of you. Uh, and, and I'd just like to say that it's, it's a very common question. It's uh, a question that uh, everybody goes through. From time to time, I, uh, either the businesses that I'm already involved in have reached steady state and do not require me any longer, and so I'm thinking of something new. And then I ask myself, so what are we going to do? And uh, it's, it's a question which is very difficult. But um, I'd like to share with you this scripture, Exodus 35, 30 to 33. Because of time, I, I might not be able to read all of this out. But just to give you a, a brief uh, uh, background on this scripture. Exodus 35, 30, 33 says this. Um, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, and with all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood for work in every skilled craft. This scripture is uh, pretty profound. It tells us straight away that uh, it is God who provides the skill, the intelligence, the everything, the ability to be able to do some of these things. So, uh, for me, what I've done is that when I'm starting anything, it always starts with prayer. And I love the way we pray here. Uh, It's not, I'm not talking about the kind of prayers that we see around us these days, but real prayer, conversation with God. Uh, Honest, sincere, solemn conversation with God. And you just tell him, you've given me, some cash or you've given me some assets uh, what, what what, should i do with this why did you bring this my way and i can assure you that in time if you truly ask him from your heart, knowing very well that you want him to lead you he will show you and of course uh, with my experience i've never seen god speak audibly and said to me Papu, this is what you, i want you to do but he just orchestrates events and those events are very clear to me because I asked and the spirits gave me the wisdom or the discernment to sort of see what he was saying and then usually what happens is that not only do I see what he's trying to tell me but I usually get confirmations along the line as well through, through other events that are not connected. Um, And so that's how it happens. But let me say this, whatever you decide to do, avoid herd mentality. In this country, we have this thing where um, it's almost as if we don't want to be original in any way, shape or form. And so someone sees someone doing blocks, building, uh, 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 forming blocks by the street side, and they realize that he started off with five bags of cement and you know within a month all of a sudden he's you know he's doing this and he's building all sorts of things then everyone wants to go into blocks we've had the same thing with sachet water i mean there was a time when every second home had a sachet water plant Uh, i can i can go on and on and on i'm sure you also have your own experiences that you can make reference to uh, the pro- there 's obviously a problem with head mentality uh, because it 's not your original idea. you get into it and you're you 're not ready for it and you find that most people who do that don 't don 't survive so then uh, you just check your maybe like neighbors who 've been trying to do business and uh, they 've caught onto this fad and they 've done it, and you realize after two years you 're on to the next one. And after another two years, they went to the other one, and it's always a story of starting something and uh, you know stories about how it failed. and so whatever you do, avoid head mentality. So then if you 're going to avoid head mentality, then what, what, what can you do? I think that it's up to you to find very unique ways to make money. The reason why it has to be unique is that when it's unique, then the market you, you're definitely getting the lion's share right from the start before it becomes a mature business when others have entered. You would have already uh, uh, gotten somewhere and, and, and you can build on that. And then those who come in after you become followers. So you're always two, three steps ahead of the game. You know. So it's so important that you figure out uh, unique things. Uh, unique things don't, have, don't necessarily, in my opinion, have to be brand new businesses that no one has thought about. But it could be a twist on something that's old. Uh, four or five years ago we looked at the uh, environment and said to ourselves we have a problem there's a problem in this country in 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 this city Accra is definitely the largest city in Ghana and Accra doesn't have a proper dry cleaning business and we were sending our clothes because we travel quite often every month a few times that sort of thing we started actually taking our dry cleaning items abroad to get cleaned And so that told us that there were obviously other people like like us who had issues, but couldn't, you know, probably weren't traveling that often, and they would, you know, need a service like that. And so we decided to go into the dry cleaning business, but we wanted it to be different. And so the twist on what we what what we ended up doing was that ours became a tech-based dry cleaning firm. So we, we deployed an app. We didn't have shops. And uh, we for, for two years, it was just app-driven. You download the app, you place your order, someone shows up, uh, picks up your stuff, and then two, three days later, they bring your stuff back, cleaned the same way you would find anywhere in the world. Uh, that alone put us on the map in a very big way because people just got excited about the fact that, oh, this is refreshing. You know, so you take an old business and then you twist it around, make it brand new. Now we have a number of copycats, but we are two, three steps ahead of the game. And we will continue to be two, three steps ahead of them, mm-hmm. you know, so that's, that's, that's the way I've seen it. Another way to g- uh, pick up on ideas, and I, and I think I'd like to share with you, is to be observant. You know, I, I, I told the kids at AGIC the same thing. I said, you can take 20 people into a room, like, like here. And um, you know the usual bell curve is, is, is that way, and uh, out of the 20, two people would look around and observe and wonder how they can monetize something, i.e., if there's a problem. At, at their hall, it was they had fluorescent tube lighting, and I said, "Well, it's, you know we're talking about green energy, we're talking about saving money, we're talking about blah blah." S- so two people would probably be thinking, okay, if these guys have fluorescent tubing here, maybe we could uh, introduce uh, LED lighting. And that's a business right there. And of course, AGIC would not be big enough for you to build a business off of. But if AGIC has fluorescent tubing, then it's likely that all the schools in Ghana have fluorescent tubing or incandescent light. So, uh, you know, maybe perhaps let's get into an LED business where we focus just on schools. And then that's money right there for you. You're not competing with anybody. You know, then the other uh, 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 16 will just be there to have a good time. And all they'll do is they'll just sit around and say, oh, it's fantastic. I like this place. It's beautiful. This, this, this. And they sit there and they have fun. And they really have fun. There's nothing wrong with having fun. There's nothing wrong with it. Then the last two will be there and they wouldn't know what's going on. (laughs) So, you know, (laughs) so uh, you must strive to always be part of the two that are always, and for me, that's how my life has always been. Everywhere that I find myself that I'm not familiar with, I always look around to find something new. I need to be inspired, or I need to be questioned, I, I, I or I question, and I just sort of look around. and I pick up ideas that, that, that way. So, uh, okay, so now you've picked up your idea, and you think you want to run with it. The next question is, uh, what do you do? You don't, I don't have any money. I need a loan. I hear this all the time. You know, if only I could get some money. This idea of mine is fantastic, it's money making. We're not going to go today into whether, how to run profitably, and so I don't think we have the time for it, but just to cover how how do you start out, okay, so I don't have money. And everybody will say the same thing. But somehow, some people are able to do it. All I can say is, if this question ever came to you, that how do I get a loan? If if that is your option to start out a business, I'm here to tell you, stop right there. Stop right there, because I'm sure last week you talked about money and you saw how money works. Uh, If you want to start a small business and you want to start with a loan, you're heading for disaster, I can assure you. There's no way you can borrow money at thirty percent or twenty-five percent, i.e., a quarter of that same money, working out as interest every year, right from the start. I, I, I don't really see how you're going to make money because most of the businesses that you will start will be running off of profits. If you are really doing very, very well, net profit of maybe I don't know, twenty percent, something like that, maybe sometimes even less. So how do you now, <laughs> how do you now uh, pay off your loan? So. Uh, Unfortunately, sometimes we are are so eager to do something that we tell ourselves, we just take a loan and figure it out along the way. A lot of businesses have collapsed that way. So if you can't take a loan, then what do you do? I think there's this, um, uh, let me tell you a story. So I uh, was in my office one day and this guy came to see me, uh, someone I know and he sat in front of me and he said uh, he needs a loan because he's got this deal that he wants to do and he thinks that if he gets this, it's not a lot of money, it really wasn't too much money. He could just you know, fix it, sort it out, and then make a quick buck and then bring me back the cash. Then I looked at him and he was wearing this really opulent jewelry, you know, big gold ring with a big stone and you know, all kinds of things. You know, So as, as I looked at that, I just said to myself, there's no way the money is coming back. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's not how, if you really want to do business, you have to first look within yourself. What do you have? You have to sell stuff. I sell stuff all the time. All the time. You, know, you have to sell stuff. If, if, if you really believe in the business, First of all, and you think that the business idea is so good that someone else will invest in it, then you should have invested in it yourself to start with. And so one way you prove to other investors is by showing that you've got skin in the game. And no investor is gonna come and play ball with, in fact, they won't even come in the beginning. They'll wait for you to prove yourself because they want to see how you manage the business from the start. And so it's so important that you sort of gain a bit of traction before you start talking to anyone at all. Uh, And so uh, it's important that we begin to look around ourselves for resources. And when I talk about resources, not just money. You know, sometimes people, people are resources. We've got to get to the point where we can, you know, uh, talk to our friends and, you know, uh, try and drive some value from adding, bringing people into the team. And that uh, 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 is, is already starting something. Another place is supplies credit. You know, go and talk to someone that's selling something and tell the person, cut a deal with the person, say, you know what, you're having a problem selling this. Okay, I can help you find buyers if you give me this on credit, and then I go and sell and bring back. That's how I started. Many years ago, over 30 years ago, when I was a boy, uh, I, I grew up in Tamar. I, I would go to some of my friends uh, who were business people who were much older than me, and I say uh, one of them in particular was an importer, and he imported tiles, floor tiles. So I go to him, and I'd, I didn't have to take anything. I just took samples of the tiles, and then I'd, I'd come to Tudu, and then walk around the shops, and I go from store to store, and I tell them that I'm an importer. I was I was about 17 or 18, and I, I, you know, today with hindsight. I I know that they knew that I was lying, but they just love to see a kid, you know, hustling. I tell them I'm an importer, I've brought some towels and blah, 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 and this, you know, so if they will buy, I can bring them, you know. And there was one guy in particular, Buzz Enterprise. Later on, I went to look for him when I felt that I had made some cash, and unfortunately the man was gone, but he was so helpful. He was dead. He had passed on. But he was so helpful because he saw a little kid who was trying to make money, and he invested in me i.e he was oh, come bring bring me five cottons this week and then you say well, i don't have money but i'll sell and then when i go and see him the following week he'll write me a check and i'll go back and you know and that's how it starts so you can actually start without money but you have to be creative and then once you've gained traction you can start looking at other forms of investment um, so now you have uh You've gotten your idea all formed, you've prayed, uh, you've God has shown you what you should do, has planned events that have allowed you to see what you, you should be, probably should be doing. Uh, you've been creative, together with two, three other people. You've sold a few of your personal uh, items, phones, cars, whatever, and then you've raised 50,000 CVs and you started your business and you're now running. Um, sometimes a few things get in the way. It's important that we realize that. uh, Actually, let me ask you this question. A real business must look the part, true or false? True. 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 But that gets us in trouble sometimes, doesn't it? Because sometimes you think, oh, I'm just starting out, but you know, people need to see me a certain way. You know, we need to have an office, we need to have this, we need to have that. I need an assistant. Uh, so that when people come to the office, you can see that we are a professional company. And, we are de- and, and, and I've seen that happen with several startups uh, where I mean, they have focused on the things that don't <coughs> directly make money. I'm not saying those things are bad. So in my notes, I didn't say whether it was right or wrong, or whether it was true or false. But I'm just saying that these are some of the things that you must be mindful of. You need to necessarily, when you're starting out, focus on the most important things. Anything that does not bring money back doesn't get any money to be spent on it. You know, uh, you almost have to go gangster with your with your with your cash. I remember when I was starting out, um, um, I had money, uh, just in, just a bit, and uh, I started and I started selling uh, fabrics, and uh, I just had enough money for just a bit of fabric or I could also now go and rent a uh, a store or or fix a store. It had to be one. Yes, exactly. It had to be one or the other, you know. And I realized, well, I can go get a store with the money and then fix it up. But then what? What do I do next? So I opted for the fabric. And as Nana said, yes, I I came up with this creative name called American Khaki. I I don't even know where that came from, but it was a hit. You know, I just put. uh, So what I did was I didn't have a store, so I, I put the stuff on my dining table in our in, in our family home, and I put a, a board outside, so the marketing side was covered the 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 warehouse side was covered i mean you know, and the sales side was covered you know and I remember uh one day I, maybe two three days after i had you know i' put the sign out, someone came and banged on the gate and of course i I was wondering who it was and I went and checked <laughs> and the person said, "Yes, I want to come and look at the American I was like." What is he talking about? I was stunned. But that was um, the beginning of uh, shops that expanded into Accra, you know. And so sometimes there's um, wisdom in uh, uh, um, taking care of the most important things first. It's very, very critical. I have also at the same time uh, known some people who have started business with a lot of money, quite a lot of cash and they focused on the office, they focused on board meetings and proper ways of doing things, and then after six months, we're wondering, where's the money? It's all gone. You know, because to them, that was what business was all about. That's not what it's about. You've got to take first, you've got to take care first of the critical stuff before the other things come in. Um, So that's uh, 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 there. this sort of s- uh, segues uh, nicely into the next one, which is cash is king. Uh, if you're going to be running a business for yourself, um, just as I said before, stay away from loans, especially in today's economy in Ghana. There's no way you're going to be able to start a business at you know, beyond 20%, 25% interest rate levels and survive, unless it's a super type business, and, and, and I, I don't know that any exists right now in this country. You know, So um, cash is king. Cash really is king. What that means is that as much as possible, hold as much cash as you can. So many benefits to cash. I'm sure last week you talked about it. Cash gives you power to negotiate. It gives you power to hold uh, uh, stocks. It gives you power to hire the right people. It gives you power to do so many things. You know? So as much as possible, you need to develop that culture. And it's, it's biblical. If you look at Genesis 40, 41, we talk about the story of Jacob. And we all know Jacob's story. Um, Jacob's whole success uh, uh, was, was uh, uh, built on, on saving you know, uh, after he became Pharaoh's right-hand man, all he did was just store. That's all he did. He'd go and harvest and he'd store, he'd go and harvest and he'd store, and he'd store for seven good years. You know, because the uh, bad times were coming, and that's the only way he was able to take care, not just the Egyptians, but also of his own people. I think that should tell us something about that. And Proverbs, in Proverbs 21, 20, also says, the wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp down, well, gulp theirs down. Um, it, it's so critical that um, you realize that in business, it's not always going to be this way. The trajectory is not smooth. It's always, 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 nowhere in the world have we witnessed growth that is just permanent. Even Apple stocks drop from time to time. You know, it's always, it goes, it comes, it goes, it comes, it goes, it comes. And you need to be prepared for the dips. So uh, sometimes with small businesses, we, uh, small businesses are, 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 it's easier for them to sort of uh, um, fail because the barrier to entry is very low. So you have a lot more people coming in. And so uh, if, you don't, if you don't approach it with some wisdom to save, what will happen is that when those dips come, that's when people just fall out. And if for the wise ones who, who actually have backup, they are the ones who are able to now move on and grow and expand. And so uh, that's something to look at, out for. The, 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 so now you, you, you have done all these things. You're, you're saving your money. You are being wise and prudent et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, uh, then what? This is what I have learned over time. I've learned that we need to begin to understand that we have to grow. And When I say grow, I'm talking about not just the businesses, but ourselves as business people. One of the things that I, ha- I have benefited from tremendously is Self learning and lifelong learning um, you know uh, recently i've been talking a bit about education and i've done in all my research i'm finding out that you know the education system as we see it is 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 it, it needs to change dramatically uh, you know we need to get to the point where we are you know people are instead of l- learning from uh, giving knowledge, people need to learn how to learn on their own and not just that but to also continue to learn. Uh, until they die because um, things are changing so rapidly and exponentially that we need to continue to learn if we're gonna survive. Most businesses also face this problem where things change so rapidly. And so continuing to learn, make sure that you, 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 you are competitive and that you can see new opportunities. And so I've put here research, improve, repeat. It doesn't stop. Research, improve, repeat. You know, you're constantly learning new things, you're getting better, faster, sharper, and then you go back to it again and you do it again. Uh, once again, the Bible supports this. Hosea 4a says, for lack of knowledge my people perish. You know, most businesses, big businesses that are filled, you take Kodak. I think uh, Nana is best to tell us about the Kodak story. Fantastic brand, fantastic everything, big, big, big global business, and they just failed to see what was going to happen in the future. Just 10, 15 years. They failed to see it. And all of a sudden, boom, they were gone. You know, we, we know of other companies that have also failed in that sort of way. You know, so uh, it, it happens everywhere. If you look at, uh, I have another one here um, from Daniel 1 to 20. It says, in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. This refers to the young boys who were in Babylon, uh, the, uh, Jew- the Jewish boys. And one commentator I was reading was saying that they probably were between 11 and 13 or 14. I'm just thinking, if you take today's 11, 14-year-old, what can they offer? You know, because our educational system is so bad. You know, uh, But these kids at that time were described in this sort of way that they were so impressive that although they were slaves the king had brought them into his palace and they were revered because of their knowledge these were kids who you know focused on studying and stuff like that and in the same way with us you know those of us who have more knowledge about what we do what we the work we do always Shine, you know, we, you you will always you will always be recognized uh, because at the end of the day, your aim is to be an expert at whatever it is that you do. You 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 make sure that you are, you are learning and continuing to learn because new things will come out, and then you become the authority on the topic. Uh, before we started Laundry Chief, I, well, I didn't know anything about laundries. I had no clue, no clue. Uh, Went to see some consultants in the U.S., they advised us what sort of equipment to get, we talked back, back, forth, but but a lot of personal researching went in, and today I, I think that I have so much knowledge on that business, but I haven't spent more than 12 hours in the Laundry Chief plant since we opened it five years ago. I don't need to be there. It's just a matter of continuing to learn about it about the equipment, about the processes, about new techniques, new ways of doing things because you're going to have to take decisions ultimately for the business. And you need to make sure that you know what it is that you're doing. You know. So uh, research, imp- improve, repeat. And um, like everything else also, it's always important that if you're going to do well that you adopt some values. Values are critical. Uh, Values make the difference, Um, you know, because this is the thing about values. Anytime you adopt a value, it drives your behavior. So if my value says that it's all about the money, my behavior will also be, it's all about the money. So what that means is that if there's money here, I don't care how I get it. The end will justify the means. Whether I get it through the crooked way or I get it through the right way, it doesn't really matter. As long as at the end of the day the mo- that money is in my pocket, but if my value says that um, oh money is important, but getting it is a certain I mean it's also important that you 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 do a certain you behave a certain way to get it, then it will inform how I behave. So values drive behavior, and then behavior consistent behavior becomes your character. It does because then you, without even consciously thinking about it, you realize that you're doing the right thing now. This is very, very important because we're building a brand for ourselves and our businesses. And uh, people need to know, if it's us, people need to know us for something. So for instance, uh, there are a number of people in this room who have exceptional understanding of what they do. Uh, Kelvin is one. And so whenever I think of Kelvin, something comes up. Expertise on finances whenever I think of Nana, expertise of photography, and these days it's becoming expertise of preaching. You know, (laughs) I mean, but it doesn't happen just because you sit at home and sleep. The amount of reading, the amount of work that you put in, will now show, and so your values are are, are, are critical, and then they will eventually drive the brand that people will now see about you. I remember in 2003, I set up a travel agency, which, became top five in this country within three years. I've never, over my 30 years of business, I've never had any business that has, that has grown so rapidly, ever, within three short years. Every day I'd look back at it, I'm like, wow, this, this, definitely God's hand was in it. And it was setting me up for the Delta business. You know, but um, I look at, I, I, I look at, I look at how, how fast that came up, and I see so many things, happened before that. Without my even noticing it, I was building a certain brand that people could point to. I remember when I started a business in 2003, we were only targeting companies and I told my staff that we were not going to pay bribes, no kickbacks, no nothing, because we're dealing with companies. And with companies, uh, it was pretty common, as it still is, to take care of people and do all kinds of things. And we... um, uh, had to make a decision that that was not going to be part of the way we did business. And so the salespeople would come back and uh, actually salespeople, one or two people, they come back and say, uh, this is just not working out. Everywhere we go, we're hitting a roadblock and uh, we just can't, nobody wants to do business with us. And so uh, one day I remember out of frustration, I just told them, guys, if this business is not going to work because we don't want to pay bribes to get contracts, then God should look for something else for us because this is a Christian business. You just We shut it down, God should look for something else for us that does not require us to do that. I'm telling you, you know, sometimes these tests come and you, you know, how you react to it also determines what God decides to place with you. After that, we never had to deal with purchasing managers. All of a sudden, the MDs of companies, all the companies that we had, people, the infl- those who made decisions, just started reaching out to us. We'd like you to kind of make a presentation. Within weeks, we have a contract, a one year contract, and boom, 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 top five. And that's how we got up there. The brand was that these people would do the right thing. They were responsive, they wouldn't cheat you on ticket prices, and what the prices is what you get. You know, because if you're going to be paying bribes, then you also have to do something on the price side of things, because it's not sustainable. You know, on a small commission to now go and give bribes and do, and then pay staff and everything, and rent, you know. So, uh, uh, the world got around, and our brand became very popular, and uh, interestingly, when the Delta business, when, when Delta was ready to come to Ghana, uh, they went and threw their own sources, made their, did their research, and they walked into my office. Two, three weeks later, I had that contract as well. I didn't know anybody. I didn't know anybody in government. I didn't know anybody in, I didn't, you know, I, I, I know uh, Papa Don, you know, Godfather, no, you know, just, they just pretty, just walked into my office. And it happened because they had had discussions on the people they could work with in the market. And people had made recommendations. And they had put each one down and said, okay, pros and cons, pros and cons, pros and cons, pros and cons. And, the US, uh, and the, U- the U.S. companies that go global have this restriction. It's called the FCPA, Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. Now, it means that when they are choosing partners abroad, they are very careful because they, we're not talking, it's about jail. If you, know, you go and do, if an agent even goes to pay a bribe, uh, they can jail a CEO of of a global company, so they are very careful who they choose to work with, and that brand that we had built over time paid off and got us that contract you know so um, it's very important that we we, we, we we pick values today for me, the values that have held me are integrity uh, excellence learning and so I, I know that if over, I mean, after practicing that for well over a decade, anyone that sees me or knows me would say, he knows what he does, he's an expert at what he does, he can be trusted and he will exceed your expectations. I know for a fact that anybody who knows me in business can say that of me, you know, so I'm very confident of it. And when I walk into any conversation, I know that's what I'm bringing to the table. I will not necessarily bring money, but I will bring these three, that's one. I know what I'm doing and I'm very good at it. Two, you can trust me. You can put $10 million here and it's gonna be right here if you want it to be here. And when you want it to move the next day, you tell me where it's going and it's gonna go there, period. Nothing is gonna to happen to it no matter what, you know. And then the third thing is that I will always exceed your expectations because that's just my nature, you know. I would always want to do that. And the reason why I do this is also biblical. If you go into Colossians three twenty-three, it says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters. This is critical, you know. This is God's instructions. It, it, it's not about the people you're doing business with. It's about who you are, you know. God doesn't give us this instruction so that we impress anybody. It's an instruction he gives us because he wants us to be a certain way. And when we are that way, we grow. And when we grow, things happen, you know. But of all the values, of all the values that I have experienced, there's one, there's one that I I have to separate from all the rest, and that is persistence. Persistence is critical. you find that I, I can't talk about entrepreneurship, the basics of it, without mentioning persistence, because without persistence, nothing happens. It's probably the most important of all the values because it is the one that is directly linked to results. You know, and there are, several, there are several scriptures on persistence. I couldn't begin to share them with you. We won't leave tonight. But there's one that really, really, really uh, uh, intrigues me. That's the one of uh, Jacob. When Jacob wanted to marry Rachel, so Jacob goes and then he, he sees this beautiful girl daughter of a man that he's working for and then he wants to marry her, ask for a hand. The father says, you have to work for seven years. He says, yes, no problem, I'll work for seven years. I'm like thinking in my mind, I don't think I would have, I would have survived seven years you know, just to, just to have someone's hand in marriage. Then after the seventh year when he's supposed to be marrying this woman, the father comes up with this uh, clause. Uh, that in our culture, uh, 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 the, f- the younger doesn't get married before the elder. So if you really want to marry her, then you might as well marry the older, so that you know, uh, and that's also another seven years for her, you know. And, 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 and he did that, 14 years to get what he wanted, persistence. David was in exile for years. He had been anointed several years, well over a decade before he became king. You know, but he persisted. And in his persistence, persistence, he was also very, very faithful. There were times when he had the opportunity to shorten that weight. And he said, no, 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 no. It has to be God's way. And it has to be very, very clear. So no shortcuts, but we continue to persist. And uh, I know some of you are business people here, and you know the place of persistence. It's, persistence basically means, it's just not working out, but you're not giving up you know, uh, and you find that most uh, successful people will tell you, look, we struggled. Now, when they're saying we struggled, it doesn't mean that, oh, their struggle was less than yours and that's why they were able to handle it. If they tell you what they went through, you will be amazed. Most people have been through so many things and that's the reason why today um, their researchers are, are sort of measuring things like uh, adversity quotients and emotional quotients and stuff like that because they realize that IQ alone doesn't do it. If it was just IQ then uh, our professors would be the most successful people in the world. But we're finding out that there are other qualities, you know, personality qualities that we need to develop. How, how well we stand in adversity, you know, how well we stand. Um, you don't necessarily have to let everyone know what you're going through Uh, You don't have to go and talk to 10 people and beg and become, you know, you weaken your brand by going from door to door begging every day. Just hang in there, you know, and just know that your God who created the earth and the universe can also make it happen, you know, and, and, and he's done it before and he can do it again. You know, so just hang in there and wait on him and see what he does. And of course, while you're waiting, you're working, right? So persistence is... Critical. Uh, I have a lot of scriptures here. I don't know if we have time. Uh, I'm not going to read them, but I just, actually, we do have time. Okay, good. Uh, we'll just, just share very quickly. First Thessalonians five seventeen talks about prayer. It says we pray without season. Now, my question is, this is God. I can do everything. God can just look at you and say, $20 million lottery, boom, and it'll come. But he doesn't do it that way. And he's saying, okay, ask me and I'll give it to you. And then when he says that and you ask him, he now says, pray without season. Mm -hmm. Well, (laughs) you know, so sometimes you have to tell yourself, there are so many other dimensions of understanding and thought that we might not be privy to. That sometimes we just have to trust blindly towards, you know. So God, in his own wisdom, in his own... I said, you just pray without season. He knows why, and that's what's best for you. So sometimes that should energize us when we are waiting, you know, to know that at the end of the day, one, he'll provide, two, his promises never fail, three, he never said he would answer or he will solve it immediately. But the truth is one, he will do it. So then you stay, and then you keep at it, and then you encourage yourself. The other one is Luke uh, 18, to 8, uh, where once again he actually told them that they should pray and not lose heart. That's critical. You know, sometimes we all get uh, dejected and tired and frustrated and everything. We begin to lose heart. But this is where fellowship comes into play. You know, I have a number of uh, very dear friends. Of course, we're all Christians. And uh, we encourage each other through prayer. You know, we, we, we do our own private Bible studies, uh, just a few of us, and then we all know what's going on. We check in on each other and we all know and we're all praying for each other and stuff like that, holding each other up. Today this guy is down, then the others bear him up. The next day it's me, the others bear me up, you know, that sort of thing. So it's, it's, it's something that we need to begin to adopt. Um, and then Luke eleven nine to ten, it says, you know, the same one about seek you will find, knock you will be opened uh, for everyone who has receives, you know. Still, so continue, Christ continues to remind us that we don't give up, we don't give up on it. Now, obviously, he was not talking about business here, but he was setting the, uh, a certain uh, precedent of the way he works. You know, that you must continue to persist. Uh, Second Thessalonians it says uh, num- uh, chapter 3 verse 30 it says as for you brothers do not grow weary in doing good you know so this is not about prayer but this time it's about doing the right thing uh, obviously uh, you grow weary in doing good when you're doing good and yet you're not being thanked for it you know but he's still saying no just go ahead and just do what you have to do you know so in the same way sometimes in business you know you're doing the right thing you just keep at it Galatians six nine same thing Philippians three fourteen pressing on towards the goal for the prize uh, you know uh, First Corinthians fifteen fifty eight I hope you're writing them down or you can Google them later it says uh, be steadfast immovable uh, those are some really really powerful words there steadfast and immovable that you don't move you don't shake at one point in time, I remember very uh, well told uh, uh, Joshua he said look neither to the left nor to the right now what is amazing about that story is that he had already promised that Joshua would go and defeat and they will cross. He had already told them what was going to happen. So then why come and tell him that he must not ne- look neither to the left nor to the right? God himself had assured him that you're going to go and possess the land, and yet he still felt the need to enter, because he knew that there was a very strong possibility of distraction. Know, and so he had to fortify him. And so in the same way also, we also must be uh, uh, strengthened and we must be steadfast. Um, now, when you've done all of these things and you've been steadfast, you've been prayerful, you've been, you've, you've, you've built your values, you've built your brand, uh, you're taking good care of cash and you're not spending needlessly and you're holding on to cash so that you're uh, in a strong position then what? Then what? Uh, this is what I have come to realize. Christian business people really understand that wealth is not everything. It's a fact. We, we, we know that already. Uh, we know that we live in a very transient world, that uh, we'll, this is not permanent, you know. And so uh, 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 we believe that there's a better world that's coming. And that knowledge informs how we do business, you know. So when you have that mindset, greed, selfishness, lying, cheating, all those type of things fall off easily because it's not very easy, honestly, not to be greedy. <laughs> it's, 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 it's actually quite, I mean, yeah, there is, if there's an opportunity, I mean, everybody wants it all for themselves. It's just rational thinking. Even economics says, yeah, rational man prefers more to less, isn't it? You know. So. At the end of the day, uh, for you to think like Christ and to bring that into your business, for those values to become important in your business, because knowing very well that this is not a permanent place, then it means that, uh, uh, sorry, it means that you need to sort of understand the truth of Mm -hmm. the world that we live in and the expectations that we have as Christians. And so um, we do business to glorify God everything about us must, 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 must glorify God. It's not just everything about us must glorify God. And that's how business then becomes our mission. Because now, if your business is, is, is glorifying God, then uh, not everybody can be a pastor, otherwise then who is going to be sitting in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the pews? But what it also means that all of us, no matter what it is that we do, must glorify God in some way. You know, and so how do we do that? I think the kingdom values are very, very important. You know, for one, we have to be an ambassador. So your business must be an ambassador you know, for Christ. Uh, anyone that comes into contact with your business must necessarily experience something about Christ without necessarily hearing about Jesus. So in my office, you won't hear gospel. First of all, there's no music background in any of my offices, you won't see Jesus Christ, you won't see posters, no, no, no. But your experience there should cause you to ask, why is this place different? And so I've titled this slide, The Difference Between Us and Them. Anybody who walks into my company must, if they choose to observe and realize that things are done differently there, must ask why. And in the answer must be because these people are Christian. Because they are Christian, they don't give or take bribes. Because they are Christian, they make sure that there is fairness. Because they are Christian, they make sure that they are responsive. Because they are Christian, they make sure that everything is done excellently. You know, because Christians are not supposed to be mediocre. You know, because they are Christian, all of these things, all of these values come as a result of the fact that we are Christian. And, uh, uh, and, in, and in portraying these values, and, and And using them to drive us in, in, in the way we do things, then uh, 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 you know we become true ambassadors for Christ and so because of that, although um, we you have laws here, you have ethics here, uh, ethics will not get you into trouble legally. We go with a higher standard always. The standard is not the standard of the law. the standard is the standard of what is right, what is truly right, and what uh, 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 is in line with I'm not uh, uh, with with uh, 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 Christ-like principles. Now, I'm not saying that we live in heaven, you know. I'm not. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that as much as possible, that is what we yearn for, and we continue to push the agenda. Okay. So uh, you've got that, and then the second thing is that we give to glorify God. You know, we give generously. So our businesses must give, you know, our businesses must give. And you know, when it comes to giving, <coughs> I, I, it was something I was sharing with a friend just about a week ago, and I was saying, um, I know uh, at uh, Accra Community Church, we don't want to become one of those churches that is just uh, extorting money from people. And, and, and I'm glad that's the case. But uh, we've seen so much of that uh, falsehood here that we sometimes gloss over the fact that God expects us to give. Not because he wants something from us, but giving proves your heart and your faith. Giving is a way of proving your faith. You know, And that's the reason why when he was at the temple and the wealthy men came and gave, he didn't see anything anything it wasn't a big deal but when the widow who was poor went and dropped in the few coins he commended her he commended her for it so it's not about the size of the give it's about what is behind the giving you know and uh i don't know whether that makes sense to anyone here but uh, that's my understanding of giving it's are you giving because oh if i give i'll get more back or you're giving because god needs it I want to give it because God loves these poor people and we need to take care of them because he's given us some. Uh, you know, that sort of thing. Are those the kind of things that go through your mind? And to be quite frank with you, most of my company giving or my personal giving is not given from a place where there's a lot of money. It's usually when we are flat broke and wondering what we're going to do next that we see an issue that needs to be dealt with. And we say, you know what, just have to do it, you know. God will take care of us. These people can take care of themselves. We take care of them. God will sort us out. And I believe that is a sort of attitude that also makes you a true ambassador for Christ. So as we do our businesses, as we get into uh, building businesses, even if we're not building businesses, our own personal lives, I'd like us to, to, to think through these things. Wonder why he commended the widow uh, instead of those with a lot of money. Um, in uh, Proverbs 28, 27, it says, whoever gives to the poor, Will lack nothing, but those who close their eyes to their poverty, uh, close or close their eyes to poverty will be cursed. Uh, in all our giving, what we try to do is we try to give to bad cases. I mean, like struggling situations, orphanages, addiction—sorry, uh, addiction, uh, addiction centers—you uh, know that sort of thing. Hardly have we given to a church you know, except where a church also has a need, a real need. You need to build, put roof, something you need to do. That's a different case and that's usually very personal. But as far as my company is concerned, it's always going to be uh, uh, some, you know, like uh, a place for teenage uh, girls who have gotten pregnant and they themselves are children. And, 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 you know, they live in squalor or something like that. Those are the kinds of opportunities that we look for to give to because uh, that's what I believe touches God's heart when you give to the poor. And it's here. Proverbs twenty two, nine says, He who has a generous eye will be blessed, for he gives of his bread to the poor. You can only be generous when you are given to the poor. When you go and give money to a rich man, you haven't really done anything. That's not generosity. That's impression. Yeah, you're impressing the guy because maybe he will also give he reciprocate. But when you give to the poor, that's that's real generosity, because you know you won't get it back, you know. And so, uh, because of that value, we have uh, a young man uh, who had stolen some cash, uh, and this was like maybe the tenth person who had done that in Laundry Chief. For some reason, because we use a lot of these uh, riders and drivers, you know, they they're just always dipping into the cash. And uh, in order to uh, uh, deter them, we started reporting them to the police. Initially I was like, oh, so it's just a bit of money, you can't, you know, somebody will go to jail because of this, no, no, no. But we realized they were taking advantage of that situation, and so we said, let's get the police involved. And when we got the police involved, that went down very quickly. But this other guy had taken so much, and he couldn't, there was no way he could pay. His father had even come in, his father, and they'd processed the thing to the point where he was now going to court. And so we're having a conversation about this, and we're speaking with my HR manager. And she said, I, I told her, be very careful. Uh, I don't want this boy to go to jail because of this. But we need to keep this going so the others won't think that we have such a kind heart and we'll let them, you know. And so this morning she came to me and she said, we are finally going to court on Thursday. Was well, today Thursday. Or Friday or, or whatever. Yeah, or it was yesterday she said to me. And I said, so what, what is going to happen there? said, well... The case is an open and closed one. So it's, I was there last week when he didn't show up, and the judge was just jailing people who were showing up for the first time, <laughs> you know. So I said, okay, just shut it down, you know. Call the cops, tell them that we're no longer interested, whatever it is, even if we have to take care of them, let's take care of them, let's prevent this boy from going to jail. Has he stolen money, His, the amount of money in terms of who's stolen, his his is probably the, the biggest. But I had to come from a place of compassion. I had to come from a place of you know his future. I had to come from a place of our values as a Christian business. And then I said, shut it down. His going to jail wouldn't bring the money back to us. Why mess up his life? Even if he comes out of jail, he's he's he's, he's scarred for life. And I also had to consider the fact that I'm also not perfect, and God has at many, many times, perhaps even far worse than this young man, done things, and he's forgiven me, so why should I, you know? So uh, we need to live what we talk, and we need to take those values very seriously. We will fail from time to time we're human, but as much as possible, we need to build our brand so that uh, we become true ambassadors for Christ. And he says this, uh, and the third, and the and, and the last one, the reason why we uh, sorry, the last reason why the last thing that makes shows us the difference between Christian businesses and non-Christian businesses, is that we know who butters our bread. You know, at the end of the day, the, 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 the Scripture says in Deuteronomy eight eighteen, "Remember the Lord your God; He's the one who gives you power to be successful, in order to fulfill the covenant He confirmed to your ancestors with an oath." At the end of the day, that's the most humbling scripture of anything, because you know, I always say this you never know a man's true character until he has a little bit of money, influence and power that's when you see who he really is if you don't believe me, look at the way politicians behave they are your best friends until they get power, then they don't know you anymore, because they've gotten power, they've gotten money they've gotten real and true, but what humbles you is to know where all of this is coming from If you know that it's God who has given it to you through an act of grace, no merit of yours, it puts things in perspective. And so when you are building and you're successful and you're growing and everybody's telling you, oh, how good you are and how this, it reminds you that it's not about you. That if it's not about you, then you have to take his values seriously. And that's when you become true ambassador of Christ and so I'm hoping that uh, these uh, few points will guide us as we start our businesses those who are already in business if you didn't know some of these that you will adopt them and uh, we see where God takes us. Thank you very much. Uh,
0: Thank you so much. It's it's a big honor and privilege. Uh, You should See me in chambers for more on American khaki. Any questions? Thank you, sir. I think
2: I'm very much educated on this. Two things um, cash is king. How do, you, how do you work that out when you are starting small and you don't have cash? Um, how do you maintain it when you have to think about investing? Or there yeah, are sometimes you hear that. Well be bored. I mean, how do you get cash by keeping cash? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Then, then the the three points of integrity and excellence, and then there was the values you talked about: integrity, excellence, and then ever learning. Yes, yes, ever learning. Which of them? Which of them? Do they clash at any point when when you have to deal with businesses that are not? Christian, maybe government businesses or other areas where I mean, your customer is not looking at your integrity, he's looking at a deal. Um, are there cases where you lose out because of those values and how do you recover? Um,
1: so the first one, I, I might have to ask you again because I wasn't taking notes. I will just try to sort this out so that it's easier, but it's okay. The cash is king thing, uh, um, I think I preceded cash is king with something else on cash, uh, on, on, on how we should prioritize. Basically, that's all I was saying when I talked about uh, a big office before, you know, that sort of thing. And I told you about my story with the American khaki that I had to choose between a shop and a and a uh, and selling off my dining table. You know, uh, it's it's about prioritizing. It's not about I didn't say uh, oh I didn't mean sorry uh, that you shouldn't spend money. All I was saying was that you should you, we should. Especially when we are starting out, we need to be very careful where we are spending our money. And I also uh, uh, realize, and I know, that in the beginning, you never have enough money anyway. So I'm not saying that's the time to save. No, 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 not at all. You will have to spend the money, but but at that time, you will never have enough. Because you have competing needs. And so you always have to learn how to sort of pick on those ones that are critical. It's a matter of determining what is most critical to the business. And that's why you have savvy business people and those who are not savvy. I mean, I, I've, I've I've seen startups where there's no cash control. I mean, they, they people are writing vouchers and it's coming and going. And I'm just wondering, goodness, this business just started. And what's going on here? you know? And I also know businesses where uh, some of the wealthiest people in this country uh, run businesses where Everything goes through the MD when it comes to cash, everything else through everybody else, but when it comes to checks, cash, the MD himself handles everything, you know because they know, they know, they know what happens. You know one of the biggest problems in Ghana, and I was hoping we wouldn't get into that, is HR people. Our culture has degenerated into such a way that uh, it's very difficult depending on people who are trustworthy. And so, uh, and that's the reason why it's very difficult for us to also scale our businesses. You know, Uh, because if you can't trust people, then what are you going to do? Uh, The reason why I shut down, I didn't tell you, uh, but the fabric store, I shut down and moved on. Wasn't because it wasn't doing well. It was doing phenomenally well. But I determined that I wanted to grow. I couldn't continue to run one shop. Because that was the only way. I mean, I couldn't have two or three shops. Because with Fabric, how do you take stock? You know, so and I hadn't figured that out. So I, I said to myself, there's no way this is going to grow. Because for me, I had a long game strategy. I had my goal, my end goal, and I was working towards it. I knew this was not for me. It was good enough for, for me to get into, into business. Because it didn't require a lot of money. You know, the, the, the buyer to entry was very low, so I could get in and make some quick quick money. And then I moved from there to uh, shoes and shirts. And I, I chose shirts in particular first, before shoes, because at the time in this country you couldn't find shirts anywhere to buy. Everyone had to rely on a tailor. And our tailors were, I don't, most of you don't know this, so don't nod as if you do. <laughs> There was a time in this country when I remember 1988 to 92, those times, you know, you just couldn't walk to a store and pick up a shirt, you know, you'd have to go and buy fabric. And I knew that because I was selling fabric, right? And then go to a tailor, and then the tailor would keep your fabric for a year before you get your shirt. So I said to myself, "Ah, if I can fix this problem. So then I started bringing shirts in from abroad, started a shirt shop, and that that again was a novelty. The idea had to be, because there were boutiques, but they had everything. And I said to myself, no, we're gonna be different. How was I gonna be different? Only shirts, because I knew that was going to be the one that people needed most, you know, because people were still sewing trousers and there were shoes and uh, all over the place. But Shirt Shops Complete, it was a hit. You know, Adiva Shirt Shops, yes. And uh, we made a lot of money. And the reason why I did that was because you could count the shirts. Yeah, that's all. That was the only reason. (laughs) The only reason I moved from fabric to sheds was because you could count them. So now we could have three stores, you know, because uh, I, I can't duplicate myself or triplicate myself, or, you know. Anyway, so um, that's what I meant by cash. So as your business grows, then you get to a point where now you can get into a situation where you're beginning to save something, you know. And you save in many, you can save in all kinds of investments, in property. In Ghana, property is good because it appreciates. uh, I don't know whether it's going to burst at some point, but it doesn't look like it. So property is always good. Except the problem with property is that when you're trying to melt it back into cash, it can be problematic. But, uh, you know, you keep some, just be prudent about stuff. You know, just make sure that you save for the rainy day, like Joseph did. Yeah. You know, I, I told you about Travel King, and I mentioned that uh, people wouldn't give us business because we weren't ready to bribe. Because when the sales guys go to them, they're like, oh, we are from travel, can we handle company travel? You know, they do their pitch everything. I say, okay, no problem, we can work with you. Uh, our travel budget is $400,000 a year. Uh, but if you want to work with us, then you have to be prepared, you know, take care of us, you know, every month. When your check is ready, you give us something. And then you say, oh, but we're not making enough money. So okay, don't worry, you can add something to the invoice. So instead of, our, I'm the one in charge of it. So instead of uh, $20,000, you can do it 20, 23,000. Then later on, I'll pass by the office and pick up the 3,000. Or even maybe give you 1,000, i take two. You know, that sort of thing. And uh, in all our discussions, we said, no, 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 no. We're just, it's just not gonna be part of us, you know. And I, I didn't do that because we were comfortable. You've got to understand that. I did that, knowing very well that the business could collapse, so all my investment, all my investment was in it, and that I would lose it all and if I lost it all, it meant that I'd have to start from scratch I had two kids you know to take care of so I, uh, these are not decisions. I know'm as, as we discussed here, you don't really see the true picture being painted, but it was a big risk to say. We're not doing it because uh, you sold all your assets, everything. You don't have anything to your name, and then that's all it is. I mean, it's all in the. B- and in fact, maybe even some debt with yes. the bank, and then you say that. But God uh, uh, honored, honored, honored our decision, you know, and uh, gave us a way that bypassed those people, and very legitimately. By the time I realized, we were invited to set up office in the British High Commission, taking care of. Bishai Commission, DFID, uh, and that was one of our biggest contracts that really put us on the map, you know. And then all of a sudden Unilever and other companies started buying from us. And I remember with Unilever in particular, uh, we had been going there for a long time and then they wouldn't mind us. Then it was the CEO himself who invited us. And when they were asking companies to bid, they decided that it would be the board of directors who would interview the travel uh, providers. For me, it was a shock. And interestingly, because we had been doing business the right way, our presentation also showed, you know, because we had to work to save human. And, and, and they told us that ours was the only one that demonstrated that we could save them money. And they gave us a contract, you know. So um, I, I can say this, if, it's, if it doesn't meet God's uh, expect, or if it doesn't meet God's standard, then it's, it's, it's not, but it takes courage. You know, faith takes courage. And, and it also, I mean, the, the deciding to do the right thing is a test of your faith, really. I, I've got a lot of different stories about this.
3: Thank you for sharing your experience and all that with us. Um, I have two questions. First one, um, you've, well, you, you mentioned right now that you had just become born again at, at, a, at a point. So, had you always tried to Um, build your businesses in a Christian way. Um, Obviously, if you go and tell somebody you're an importer and you're not an importer, (laughs) it's a tiny white lie, but, you know. um, But then again, that's when you were a teenager. Um, And then also, the second one is, um, when you look globally, there are lots of entrepreneurs who do not believe in Christ in anything, and they are super successful, right? So what is your take on you know the christian approach versus uh quote unquote the worldly approach how people do it even though they do not have any faith and they they seem to be successful at what they do
1: you know you've asked some yeah yeah yeah, you you you've asked some really good questions and i talk about this from time to time uh so um i I like these type of questions i have and I like them because I have, I, have, I have responses for them. If I didn't, I wouldn't like <laughs> it. <laughs> so uh, have I always been a Christian businessman? No. So uh, I was a Christian of sorts. I just didn't know. I didn't understand my faith enough to commit to it. Uh, and I, did, I lived my life according to my own terms. Uh, my business was also run that way. Uh, I know for a fact that I saw bits and pieces of success up and now. So this Adiva times I was, you know, doing everything, you know, everything, you know, everything possible. And so that's why when I said if you choose the other path, you know, as a Christian, it's it can be problematic. Now, this is what it is. I think that God knows his own and uh, if you are his and that's not to say that we are, uh, even non-Christians are not his I mean, that's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying that for those of us who are his, uh, He will orchestrate things in such a way that we will never have peace until we find Him. In fact, in theology they say that's the reason why we all seek God. All humans seek God because there's a question in you. The knowledge of God in you is, keeps you constantly asking, 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 and that's how come you you know God reveals Himself, and that's why we don't have peace until we find God. Now, before the before uh, 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 two thousand and um, uh, two thousand and maybe six, maybe two thousand four, two thousand five, everything was fine. I could do anything. All of those things that I don't do today, I could I could do them, and I didn't feel anything about it. Uh, mm-hmm. But my business was. Just okay. And I was always running into trouble. Always. It was almost as if God was saying, you keep on doing this stuff, you're not going anywhere, you know. So it wasn't until I made a... And that had nothing to do with business. I can only say that I noticed it because I'm just observing. But it had nothing to... I didn't switch because of business. I switched because I finally met, understood who, who I felt God was and I decided, you know what, enough is enough. Let me just. So when I when I gave my my when I surrendered my life to him, I then realized that I had to start living a different way. That I couldn't continue to do the things that I did, and that included my business. You know. So then um, I was making conscious decisions to do things differently. Then surprisingly, things began to go well, way beyond my expectations and way beyond what I'd ever seen before. You know, so then it sort of gave me even more encouragement to continue to do the right thing. But I cautioned, and that's why I said that, I've also walked away from some very big deals because I couldn't reconcile that with my faith. And sometimes I feel like mm, nothing has happened since I walked away from that. But that's up to God to decide, you know. So I don't think you know when I was starting or you were here when I was starting I did say something about you know uh, about the fact that uh uh we 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 are, we are christians we are, it, it's not just about here you know it's not just about money it's not just about buildings it's not about you know it's, it's just transient you know I, I I'm fifty now it wasn't too long ago when I was thirty, so in the same way, I feel as if by the time i'm seventy it will be like where did the time you know and then you know, God, I, mean, I don't know, God gives me how many more years, I'll be gone. The most important thing is what happens after here, you know, and the interesting thing is all of these things will matter, you know. So these are the reasons, that knowledge is what also causes Christian business people to give to the poor, because when you know that it's not just about you, you know, it's easier. It's easier for you to. And that's the reason why, uh, you know, we didn't seek revenge on the boy who stole money and we're trying to get money. So uh, it helps when you know, you know, what your faith uh, talks about, what is important to God. It helps you to do your business that way. Then the second one about, uh, uh, I mean, look, there are people who are flat out atheists and they are the most successful. At the end of the day, I say that some of the values that we use in our Christian businesses are the same values they practice, except that it doesn't come from the same source. As long as you practice those values, you'll do well. You know, it's about discipline, it's about you know, that, it's about hard work, it's about integrity. It's about I mean, I, I, I was uh, in a store three weeks ago in the US. Uh, my daughter was having a, a bridal shower and I realized we needed some extra chairs. And so I went to uh, Home Depot, um, and I realized it was the end of summer, so they packed the chairs, like these type of chairs, outside, by the curb. And I needed eight. I couldn't possibly pick the eight and go inside to the till and then pay and then carry them back out, even not even with a cart. So I went in and I spoke to the lady, the cashier, and I said, how do I do this? And she said, oh, just take a picture of the barcode, bring it in, we'll ring it. So I did that and she said, how many do you want? I said, eight. And I paid for it. And I said, okay, now what? So just go bring your car to the cab and take it. And I was like, they've got like 400 chairs there. There's nobody there with me. And they have uh, different chairs. In fact, I bought the cheapest because I just needed a few. They had like nicer ones for like $80 garden chairs each. I was like, but when I went there, I just picked what I had paid for and I picked eight the eight I paid for and I took them. And I said to myself, nobody steals from here. Otherwise this system would have been changed. Yeah. And these people are not necessarily Christian. So the societies work in an orderly way. So it's not so much about faith, I think that makes brings success. It's more about the values, practicing those values. And those cultures have practiced for so long you know uh that it it benefits them you know and so in that same way you see uh them scaling businesses home depot has over a thousand stores i mean a, you know hundreds of billions of I, I would assume maybe at least 40 50 billion dollars a year in revenue you know i was watching a program two two three nights ago uh, this lady uh, i don't know whether you know Land lakes the the Land O'Lakes lakes oh. is an I recall? yes the butter but actually butter is just a small thing so they sit on 15 Billion dollars in revenue, 15 billion dollars, run by a lady, and um, you know, uh, she's gay, her partner is gay, and uh, talking about agriculture and stuff like that. And it's just phenomenal, phenomenal how they've run their business with excellence to the point where they are owned by farms, community farms. So, Land Lakes is actually owned by community farms, so this is excellence, real true excellence you know, uh, uh, and they, 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 uh, they have cattle, some, some of the farmers have cattle, and they use so much tech. I had to, I had to watch this because of the uh, talk I was giving on Wednesday night. Uh, they, they use so much tech that they use facial recognition for the cows. <laughs> yes, because they need to know all the cows are numbered, and they use uh, all kinds of Im- imaging systems to determine those ones that are not doing too well, so they give them extra or less food or more. And then they've got like uh, pedometers and things so that they see how many steps they walk. So you know Fitbit. They've got the cow version, you know. And and it's amazing. Another farm that does soya beans has satellite technology. They, have actu- they actually have a CTO whose job it is to just watch the satellite imagery every couple of days. And it just views the land that they have. And so then it determines it, it will just map the land out into colors. And so then he it, it puts a, in a program on the tractors that are putting seeds. And on certain parts, it puts two seeds. On certain parts, it puts five seeds based on the imagery. So you, you see the extent to which even farming. And you know, so they can predict, they can do all kinds of things. Well, well, we're sitting here and you know, it's all about praying and shouting and screaming and prancing all over the place and thinking that's just gonna work. I, I, I think it's just the values.
0: Thank you so much for sharing your experiences with with us. Um, I have one quick question, and that is how, um, I know you talked about being unique and persevering, um, but being a serial entrepreneur, what sort of mindset has guided you to transition from one industry to another?
1: Okay, so transitioning has been the learning. You know, I I talked about learning as well. Lifelong learning, I just don't stop learning. And the idea is to become an expert at whatever it is that you do. Otherwise, forget it. You, know, you need to know your business inside out. Otherwise, how do you run it? You know, a lot of people don't bother learning about their business. Where is the business going? I remember when um, I was running Travel King. Uh, within a very short time, you know, once again, it, I just ran that business for three years. But within that short time, we became the country partner to BCD Travel, which was the fourth largest travel management company in the world. and. BCD Travel asked me to become uh, their Africa advisor. And uh, through my recommendations, we um, hired an African manager and did a lot of work. And she sat uh, in my office or in Lagos or wherever, you know. And uh, I'm just saying this to say that in the short time that I did that, a global company that had been around for how many years, had been sold many times over with p- true professionals, felt that I had enough knowledge on the industry to ask me to help them with strategy. You know, and I, up to today, I don't know how to issue a ticket. You know, so when I talk about being an expert, I'm not talking about you have to be selective of what you're learning, right? I mean, as I told you, Laundry Chief, I haven't spent more than 12 hours in total in five years since we started it up to two. I think most of the time was spent in the first year. You know. So it's not about, there are things that other people can do. Let them figure that out. You know. But there are other things that you need to understand about the business, the high level type stuff. And you need to really understand it, not just understand it, but know where it's come from and where it's going in, you know, together with where other things are also going you know, so that you can position yourself for it. And if there are risks coming up, then you sort of see what you can do about those risks that are coming up. I hope that helps, yeah, but learning is critical. So if you can learn, then there's nothing you can do. Yeah.
0: I think, um, uh, so I, I have a question, and it's on how do we change the, the HR problem we have as a nation? You know, because um, <laughs> it's a huge problem. It's a huge problem. Uh,
1: yeah. I, a huge problem. Yeah. I uh, and this is a conversation, I, I belong to a WhatsApp group uh, that has the CEOs, well, most of the CEOs in Ghana, as well as some government people. Uh, at one point in time, though, I think there was a precedent lurking in there. Uh, you know as well. And uh, because there are a few governments, se- very senior government officials, there, most of the CEOs tend to be very guarded in, their, in the things they say. Mm-hmm. And uh, on Sunday, someone, I think, put something similar to the issues of Africa, Ghana, that sort of thing. And so the conversation started and it was very interesting to watch because I was just watching and it's a topic that's very close to my heart. And a a lot of people were just talking about how we should come together to to drive policy, how we should do things to drive advocacy, how we should build systems. And it was very, very bookish, textbookish, you know. Uh, And after that went on for a while, I went on there and I said, guys, it's leadership. There is no way business or the business community can change a country. First of all, that's not our job, that's not our focus. And then secondly, even if we wanted it to be our job and focus, we wouldn't have the tools to be able to do it. Similarly, if if my company fails, I cannot blame the people who, work down there I shared with you that people are stealing my job is to find a solution so that that stops and find build systems to sort of but I don't expect them to solve the problem and so the problem that we have in Ghana is a leadership problem it's a cultural problem and only leadership can change culture because leaders come in I can assure you that the culture in Rwanda maybe ten years ago is not the culture today because of one person who has determined this is where we are going, you know. And so it's important for us to understand that. My biggest problem is whenever things fail around here, everybody blames everybody but the people that should be blamed. It's always going to be the, oh, the people around, the man is good but the people around him. The question is who put them there? And sometimes they put them there on purpose so that they can use them to do things. And so then I put it out there, and this is some of the things that as Christians, I hope I don't take the, I'm gonna go all over the place with this answer. But as Christians, I think that when we talk about prophecy, prophecy is mainly two forms: it's the fourth telling and the foretelling. If you look in the Bible, most of the prophecies were forth telling, thus said the Lord. And all those prophecies were done to correct societal issues and were spoken to leaders, foretelling very few cases to talk about the future. Today, it's the other way around here. Foretelling is what everybody, you are wearing a blue shirt underneath your shirt. What's that got to do with your faith? (laughs) You know? But when it comes to the foretelling, nobody's doing it. The church has failed to correct the societal problems, you know. And so we need to be bold and we need to make these statements and we need to expect more of, 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 of our leaders. That's the only way they will begin to change. But really and truly, that culture of mediocrity, stealing and all of those things is a complex result of lack of education, poverty, uh, uh, when you need Negligence, corruption, all those vices have caused what we have today. And these are the people that we can hire. I mean, we can't go to India and bring people to kind of ride motorcycles here. You know, we have to go to Nima and get them. And when they come at 24, they've had 20 years of consciousness of just doing the wrong thing. How are you gonna change that in six months? You know, so it's a very tough situation and it really creates problems for all of us. It's a good thing that we are talking about it. I think we should be bolder. I don't mean we should be disrespectful, but we should be bolder. And so I put there on the, on the platform, I said, guys, everybody here has, is smart enough to know that it is about leadership. And, but nobody seems to want to say anything about it. But really and truly, there's nothing business can do. The only thing we can do is influence the leadership. I mean, who becomes a leader? Perhaps that's what we can do. But apart from that, anything else will fail. Nobody has responded since Sunday. And there was silence. And there was silence, yeah. You know, yeah, nobody.
0: So Uncle Edwin will ask the last question.
4: Yeah, uh, good evening. I think, uh, I must say, for a very long time, I have not listened to people like you in this country. And talking about leadership, I'm a student of leadership. And Christians, you're talking about excellence. They are Christians who are not reading to learn. You talk about lifelong learning. And most of those entrepreneurs you meet out there, they are reading, presidents are reading. All over the world, in the other culture, but over here, you don't see people reading to learn. So Christians go there and they fail, and they fail God. So how do we foster this? I have been conducting reading seminar for almost 19, 20 years because I just want to build a foundation. So how do we do it for Christians to stand out and make a difference?
1: I wish more people would read, honestly, I mean, I, uh, I think, you know, uh, I just wish more people would read. I mean, I, I, you know, the most painful thing is hiring young people and finding out that they have no abilities around technology. And their only thing is Facebook and Instagram. And right now it's even Instagram because Facebook is too much writing. So it's more Instagram. Yes, I said this in, uh, in a class. Uh, or full of uh, pastors because they also laugh when we talk about these things. And I said, I'm surprised everyone is laughing because that alone tells you that it's not a big deal. Because whenever anything is a problem, people don't laugh. So when they laugh, then it means that they are desensitized. You know, Um, (laughs) I I know it's not the nicest thing to say to your audience, but really and truly, that's the truth. Whenever, I, I, I can assure you, if it was an Asian audience and we're talking about something like that, everybody would be sitting there thinking, we have to fix this. Uh, elsewhere, it's always, you know, parliament. Let me give you a classic example. Let them start talking about misogyny in parliament. Everybody will break into laughter because it's not a big deal. They don't care about minority, gender. It's not, it's not a big deal. Ah, but women too, what, what, what. You know, but eventually if they have to come out with a statement, it will be perfect because then they'll sit down and they'll write something that responds to the needs of minorities and women. But in real behavior, you know, and you can tell from their language, my university platform for instance, same thing. I mean, people actually, I remember somebody came to put um, something that was highly misogynistic and I was like, look, there are women here. You can't, you can't, you can't do this. It's it's not right. It was supposed to be a joke. Guess what? It was a lady who probably has like a double masters who came and told me that I should relax, but this is just a joke. (laughs) And so I just said to myself, well, if you don't think it's a big deal, then why should I? You can't can't cry more than the bereaved, can you? You know, so I think that this reading thing, I totally, totally, totally agree with you. Uh, It's the only way. Education, my people perish for lack of knowledge. We need to, but I think that it must be multifaceted though. It's going to be a combination of a lot of agitation from especially church. Uh, And church because over 70% of us are in church or claim to be Christian. So then the pastors have a lot of influence. I don't know whether you've heard this though, but uh, uh, one of the bank guys, one of the banks that failed, the guy has been uh, uh, charged. Yes. The question is, there were several other directors. Okay, where are, they? where are they? Why was he the only one who was charged? Well, one of them is a very known Christian leader. He, you wouldn't dare. T- I don't. Well, I, I don't know how it is going to play out. But why has he not been charged up to now? I'm sure they are wondering, you know, pros and cons, because you've got ten thousand people following you, oh, how many people? One million people. <laughs> a, million. a million. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you know 2020 you are going down because our elections is just a few hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. And so if you go and charge someone like that who cuts across party lines and who has such a strong influence on as many as one million people, you are going to lose that. So then let's look for someone else. You know, so these are things <laughs> that we need to, you know. So all I brought that in for you to see that the church has a lot of influence. He's just one pastor. If five pastors with three million people come out to say consistently that this is wrong and we will no longer accept it in this country, I can assure you we can change this country. There will be change. But the pastors wouldn't do it because they don't want to be persecuted. You know, and the, the real thing is, so then who are you serving? You know, because if you look at all the biblical stories with Christ, who did he fight for? The poor, the marginalized. You know? I mean, uh, he was always with them. They, I was just reading, really, I just found out today that when uh, he was with Mary, and uh, sorry, uh, when Mary put the perfume on his feet, he was in a leper's home. Yeah. It was a leper's home. You know? So the guy was a previous, of course, he had healed him. He was his home. And they sat in there. You know the thing about lepers and Jews? I mean, abomination, total abomination. But he was there with his with his disciples, and then they were there, and she came to put the perfume, and then, of course, that became a problem and whatnot. What no. But that should tell you something. He's al- he was always with, poor, with, 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 the, with the poor. Uh, unfortunately, our pastors are always with the rich. Yeah, yeah. Maybe ACC needs to pick on a few things, and then, you know, we pick on a few volunteer-type things, you know, go out, and yeah, and I don't know. I'm just suggesting yeah, to, yeah, you know, just show the way.
0: Thank you very much. Thank you. We hope this sermon blessed you. If it did, will you consider sharing it with a friend? And if you're in Accra looking for a spirit-filled community to worship with, why don't you join us at Mikado Plaza, Bonnie Junction, Accra, on Sundays from 9 to 10.30 a.m. You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook at AccraChurch and visit our website, accrachurch.org, for more sermons. God bless you.